we are here. Okay, guys, welcome to Get Fresh with Jules and Jess, episode number three. We have a very, very special guest for you guys today. Allie is here. She is one of my very dear friends. We've known each other a long, long time. And she is certified through Precision Nutrition and is currently getting her master's degree in nutrition education. So you know what that means. We can actually talk about nutrition. (laughs) So, so Allie, I'd love if you would tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm so excited that you guys asked me on your podcast. Very honored. Love, Jules. We go way back to high school days, but... um, Just a little bit of background about me. I grew up with a lot of allergies, really bad skin issues, um, eczema, just my entire childhood, adolescent, teenage years. And then when I went to college, alcohol was involved, a little bit more pizza than usual. And I just started to experience on top of these skin rashes and issues, a lot of stomach aches as well. Um, I tried to change my diet a few times. I tried to switch what I was drinking and nothing really seemed to help. I'd seen a bunch of different doctors and I finally decided to go the holistic route. And after a bunch of different tests, they um, diagnosed you with candida overgrowth, which is basically um, a gut bacteria overgrowth that essentially in the non-science way of explaining it, they said my bad bacteria was taking over um, the good bacteria in my microbiome. So it was leading Mm. to a lot Mm. of issues with, um, again, gut health, a lot of very severe stomach issues and just rashes everywhere that I really couldn't control. So they put me on a I'll say a very strict diet that would not be recommended to most, but it was so incredible how well it completely cleared my skin. I was in school for business and fashion merchandising, and that experience alone was so life-changing to me that I completely switched my paths. I just saw how much food can change your body and just the way it makes you feel, the energy it gives you, and that's where kind of my passion for nutrition began. Um, So I did end up graduating um, with the intended major at school, but I left and started working at a gym. Um, I'm still working there as a full-time personal trainer, but my true passion is just mixing um, nutrition with fitness and movement. So that is why I'm back in school. I transitioned to um, a plant-based diet. I eat mainly vegan at home, but I work with people eating all different types of diets and just helping them reach their goals and just feel the best that they can with um, their movement, their nutrition, and just like lifestyle, making good habits in general. Mm -hmm. I think that it's huge that you mentioned like that you love talking about how food can make you feel good. And I just think that your perspective and your take on nutrition is huge because one of the things that we're actually talking about today in our holiday proof challenge is that eating can be addictive. Um, We want to talk about how we can, you know, change our mindset and actually enjoy fueling our bodies instead of looking at food as a punishment or looking at food as, you know, a lot of us here have different binge eating things. So like, there's just so much that goes on about nutrition. And I think that even though it's individualized and everybody has their different perspectives and opinions and likes and dislikes that like the main general perspective to think of it, that you're fueling your body is huge. And I think that that's such an interesting, interesting perspective. 
Yeah, yeah 100%. Definitely. I asked um, my followers on my Say Yes phrase page to answer my question sticker, Allie. So we have a lot of questions for you. I definitely think it's my most asked sticker I've ever had. So we're just going to do a rapid fire question asking kind of style podcast today. So I'll go ahead and kick it off. Allie, it's the question that's been burning our minds our whole life. (laughs) Is breakfast the most important meal of the day? This is probably not the answer you want to hear, but I'm going to say it depends. And <laughs> perfect. That, okay. So for <laughs> some people, I think I'll say this I think your first meal of the day really does set you up for success. And I'm going to go back to again food, not just thinking about it as how many calories am I getting, but really how it's nourishing your body and how much energy it's going to provide you. So For me, I wake up really early. I'm on my feet all day. I'm working with clients one-on-one. I need that extra energy. So breakfast for me personally is the of the day. I like to get Mm -hmm. carbs in, protein, healthy fats to keep me full for longer. Um, It's such a big part of my morning that if I leave the house without breakfast, I really don't set myself up for success for the rest of the day. But I'll take my mom, for example pretty sedentary in the morning. She sleeps in a little bit later. She doesn't get hungry till noon. If Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to tell her, I mean, she's again, very healthy and active a little bit later on in the day, but if she doesn't wake up and isn't super hungry, she'll push her first meal off until noon. And again, her first meal I'd like to see something that has, you know, a good variety of all of the macronutrients and some micronutrients, maybe not starting the day off with, you know, a a donut or something. (laughs) First meal of the day, I'll say very important, but it doesn't have to be breakfast if that doesn't go with your schedule. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot of girls. I mean, we're seeing this everywhere right now, intermittent fasting. Um, everybody is skipping breakfast. Millennials have made (laughs) skipping breakfast into a diet. Okay. Let's talk about it. What's your thoughts on it? I feel like everybody kind of has a different idea of, you know, if it works, if it's good for you and all of that. Yeah. So intermittent fasting is such, I will say a trend right now. I'm definitely seeing that. And I want to really distinguish that intermittent fasting is a style of eating. It is not a diet. There's no There's no rules like a keto, a low carb, a Mediterranean, a vegan diet. It's, it's a time frame that you eat in that really works for people because the tendencies to overeat are typically heightened at night. So by putting that specific window of, um, a pretty common one is in eight, 16 hour window. Um, so you're only eating for eight hours, um, to put that exact window of I can't eat past 7 p.m., it'll block off that hour at, you know, 9 or 10 p.m. when you're watching TV and wanting to overeat a bit late night on your popcorn and chips. But if you have that window that you, you know, tell yourself or put in your head that this is how or when I'm going to eat, then that can reduce some of the overeating. So it can lead to weight loss for some people, but it's not because they're on a specific diet. It's just because they've shortened their actual window of eating. Yeah. I see this all the time. Like I have so much to say about intermittent fasting. And I think that the biggest thing is because like I do intermittent fast, like I very consciously 
I wouldn't even say it's intermittent fasting. Like I consciously fast. And the fact that when I'm aware that I'm within a two hour window where I'm going to be sedentary laying in bed, I know that my body doesn't need that carb. It doesn't need that fat to just sit in my body because I will literally be doing nothing but sleeping. And I think that comes with just being conscious of like, you know, what your body is actually asking. Am I reaching for the bag of chips because I'm chilling on the couch and it's just something I'm used to doing and I'm bored and it's a habit? Or am I reaching for it because I'm genuinely hungry and that this is going to help me feel better? The truth is more often than not, when you reach for that snack or you reach for like that late time meal, um, you wake up feeling more sluggish. You have a harder time waking up in the morning because your body is like, oh, hey, not only do I have to wake you up right now and process all of your regular systems and your physiology, but I also have to work to continue digesting this meal that you know I wasn't actively focusing on because I was sleeping. And I think that that's huge. Yeah. Um, I love, Allie, that you mentioned your gra- or your mom versus your uh, lifestyles too. When I was in OTF and I was waking up at like 3.30 in the morning because I had to go to 5 a.m. through 9 a.m. class, same thing. Like I didn't wake up starving necessarily, but I was like, listen, you're going to be on your feet. You're going to be hitting at least five miles just in coaching those classes. So I know I need to fuel my body. And so I would consciously make sure I was eating that breakfast to fuel myself. Whereas now I'm working from home. You know, my commute is the three steps from my bed to my desk chair. And I know I'm Mm -hmm. not going to need that fuel. So like, do I have my cup of coffee in the morning? Absolutely. And like, if that quote unquote breaks my fast, then so be it. But I won't eat a heavier meal until the afternoon when I know like that I have gotten up to maybe do a couple chores and my systems are just, you know, running and functioning at a higher level. So I think that that, that's like, when I hear intermittent fasting, it's like, you know, well, let's call it conscious eating almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I actually had, maybe this is so ignorant. And if anybody on this podcast is going to be ignorant, it's definitely going to be me. Um, I'm the least certified, most knowledgeable here, but I always thought that intermittent fasting, and I think if I thought this, then this is probably like a common misconception. I thought there was something like scientific in your body that happens when you only eat during a certain window. Like I didn't realize it was just more of like a maintenance thing of not overeating or, you know, just limiting the time, you know, my, my mom, when I was growing up, always said, don't eat up after seven o'clock. And honestly, I still have like anxiety about that yeah. sometimes when like my day runs long and it's eight o'clock and I haven't even made dinner yet. I'm like, should I just mm-hmm. not eat? It's, it's past seven, but I'm hungry. Like I get these like weird anxieties, but anyway, that's, that's just getting off no, on I mean, tangent. I think but that's, with- that's pretty common though. Just touching on that before um, you continue past that thought, because I think that is something that a lot of people have heard growing up just because again, research shows that a lot of people tend to overeat and overindulge late at night. So people have this magic window of you can't eat past 6 PM. It's not because you're going to put on fat. If you eat all your calories past 6 PM, mm-hmm. if it is, if it takes 2000 calories to put you in a caloric deficit, you could eat that in eight meals throughout the day, or you can eat it in one giant meal at 10 PM. Mm-hmm. Granted your digestion digestion might not be as great if you're going to just lay in bed after that huge meal. But in terms of being in a caloric deficit, or if you're just trying to maintain your weight, it really doesn't matter if you eat it in eight meals or one large meal, and it doesn't matter what time of day. So I truly believe that listening to your body is the most important and setting such a strict window. Um, 
I'm not always a fan of just because again, some days we might be lazy and on the couch and we don't need anything till noon. And then other days you have an early appointment and you got to get up at 5 a.m. So why push that window? Because some random time frame says that you need to. If you are truly hungry, then I think it's important to really fuel your body with something that starts your day off um, on a better note than just trying to force a fast for five hours. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest point when people ask me about intuitive or I'm sorry, intermittent fasting, I was going to say I eat intuitively. And so like, if I'm hungry and my stomach is growling, I don't care if it's eight in the morning. Like I, I usually work out fasted, but there are some mornings that I wake up and I'm hungry. And so I'll drink a shake on the way to the workout rather than after but like, let's kind of touch on intuitive eating. Cause I know people have a lot of questions about it and I'm not always the best at like fully explaining it, but it's definitely been a game changer for me that I can say a hundred percent. I mean, intuitive eating is not something that everyone is fully ready for. And I think it takes um, a bit of time to kind of understand your true hunger cues. If you are Um, experiencing disordered eating, whether that's severely restricting your food or overeating, it's really hard to be fully in tune with your body and what your true hunger cues are. So I definitely think it takes some time to just kind of figure out Um, Is this true hunger? Am I under fueling before workout and feeling nauseous? Am I dehydrated? Um, I would say it's easier to start with a meal plan or I know some people are counting macros as well, just to get a good idea of how much you need to be fueling your body. And then from there, I mean, we don't need to calorie count every single little thing we put into our body for the rest of our lives. So from there, I think the transition, um, comes easier to really understand, you know, what time of day do you work out? When do you need to fuel before and after to feel the best for that workout and slowly just learning to listen to your body. You don't need to eat lunch at 1.15 PM every single day. If some days you're not hungry till three o'clock or some days you might want to eat that lunch at 11.30. Um, we all, you know, have different, different day-to-day activities that sometimes that kind of eating window and kind of biological clock is going to change. And um, I think that it's best if we can start to try to be in tune with that and just be a little bit more flexible. So it doesn't have to be such a mentally consuming task. Like eating should be convenient. It should be enjoyable, but it shouldn't be something to stress over. Allie, what times do you eat during the day? I'd say my schedule is actually a lot more structured just because of my work schedule. Um, I have like an hourly schedule every single day because of personal training clients. So everyone has an exact hour. And I actually like to schedule in my meals just because if I don't make time for it, I could have, you know, eight clients back to back and not have the time to eat. So I usually um, do go to work in the morning fasted because I start at 6 a.m. But if I have more than three people back to back, I will eat breakfast and just make sure I wake up a little bit earlier. But I try to eat breakfast around eight or nine if I have an hour break. And then lunch is always after my workout. So it could be noon some days. It could be 2.30. 
I usually throw in a few snacks before dinner, just depending on, you know, what the workout is and how hungry I am. And then dinner is anywhere from 6 p.m. to 8.30. It really just depends on my nighttime clients. Okay. Jess, how about you? <laughs> I'm like sitting here listening to her schedule, just like, holy shit. Like, no. Um, I... I just literally am like, when I'm hungry, I'm hungry and I'm going to eat. And when I'm not hungry, I'm not going to force myself to intake calories. And, um, you know, and because I know we talked about this on our last podcast too, but like if I'm bulking and like, I'm consciously trying to eat things and I'm going to be very organized and I, I am going to say, you know, I have my three pre-made snacks and now I'm like a day-to-day wake up or home. it's just it's crazy like I've gone from walking 12 plus miles a day Apple Watch reminding me to stand on a consistent basis you know so um the difference is just crazy so honestly right now I'm pretty much just like when I'm hungry I reach for a whole food I reach for something that's healthy um and I do try to you know be aware of like am I eating my carbs before I'm gonna work out am I eating my protein after like I'm very aware of that kind of stuff but as far as like scheduling goes, I just listen to, you know, I'm hungry. I mean, if I'm not, I keep it simple. I mean, I think that's perfect yeah, to not everyone sure. needs to have a schedule, especially with most people working from home right now, we can be flexible. Like the mornings are a bit slower. Yeah. Um, so you really don't have to be so structured unless your day requires that and you need that structure. Um, some people, they don't build in the time to eat, then it could be a missed meal and that could lead to again, overeating later on. So I think it's good to just assess what is your schedule and what works the best for you? Absolutely. Jules, you know, I'm going to say the cooler girl. I freaking love your preparedness. Honestly, where do you think you're at <laughs> now in your journey compared to like where you've been in the past? Like you think that it's changed over time and now you're well, one versus another. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like I remember when I first started my journey, I was texting Allie and I was like, I'm so hungry. Why am I so hungry? Like I was hungry all day. Like it was just such a big like jump for me. And um, Allie talked to me about adding healthy fats, which obviously we'll talk about more in depth th- throughout the podcast. But now I'm, I'm honestly on way, like I have a, the best relationship with food and the best schedule with food I've ever had in my life. Like you know, like I said, sometimes I'm drinking that protein shake before the workout, but I'm also working out more consistently than I ever have in my entire life. I'm working out around the same time every day. And, um, I either have the shake before or after, and then I usually eat breakfast around like 10, 10 usually is like the time. <laughs> and then lunch is usually like two o'clock. Sometimes it's been as late as four o'clock. And then dinner is usually between seven and eight thirty. Yeah. So Um, I think just like kind of remembering that like, you don't, if you're not hungry, you don't have to eat a meal. Like God bless my dad, but we used to make fun of him because he had dementia and he would forget that he ate. Mm. And so I would be like, dad, are you hungry? And he'd be like, what time (laughs) is it? And it always just like made me laugh because I'm like, it's so like so many people do that. They eat because they're like, oh, it's twelve o'clock, it's time to eat. And it's like, I would love for like you guys who are listening to this to start really asking yourself, like, am I eating because I'm hungry, or am I eating because I think I'm supposed to be eating at this time? Am I eating because I'm hungry, or am I eating because I'm bored? Are you like that? That right there? Yeah, I was going to just say because I saw someone posted today, and they were like. 
everybody was in the break room eating cookies because someone's mom brought them in for like, you know, thanking us for like the past year. And she was like, and I like went to go reach for one. And I literally was like, why am I grabbing the cookie? Because everybody else is standing in here eating a cookie. It's like a social thing to do. It's like, if you're going out to meet your friends for like cocktails or, you know, whatever it is, like, and you're not hungry, like don't partake in the appetizer just because it's like the social thing going on like I love that that's it's so so true and I do have another question for you Jules because something else I see a lot of people write about is that like I feel like I'm thinking about food all day long I think I'm thinking about like what I should be eating like do you feel like your relationship with food has changed in that kind of way like are you consciously less aware of it yeah so much I used to think about dinner at eight o'clock in the morning I think it stemmed from food anxiety a little bit, honestly. Like, I was never a person that, like, didn't know if they were going to have a meal on the table or anything like that. Like, I don't have any, like, childhood trauma regarding it, which I know some people do. But, like, for me, it was more like, I don't want to make a bad choice. Like, I need to – I was just overthinking Mm -hmm. everything, which in turn made everything so much more complicated. Like, you know, and I know that works for some people who are on Weight Watchers who go into their app and they track everything they're going to eat for the day in the mornings. That way they don't eat anything not on schedule. That would never work for me. I'm just going to tell you that right now, because when I start overthinking it, I'm like, it it just, it turns into this Mm -hmm. obsessive thing. That's not good. And even today, like I actually, weirdly enough, I tracked my calories today for the first time in like over a year. And it was very triggering for me. And I, it just reminded me why I don't do that because I get so obsessive about every last We were literally talking about that today, um, like about looking up the calories of something that's crazy. But I think that talking about tracking is great because (laughs) like caloric tracking, macronutrient tracking, a lot of people ask about macros or like tossed around a lot like oh I'm tracking macros and I feel like honestly a lot of people are just like yeah 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 I'm tracking my macros but it's like what the hell does that mean um what are they what like is the rule with them and I think that that's a really important thing we could touch on yeah so um your three macronutrients are your carbohydrates your protein and your fats so you have macronutrients, which is going to be the majority and the bulk of your calories. And then micronutrients are just your vitamins and minerals that you get from all of your fruits and veggies. Um, People typically do not track micronutrients um, and just macronutrients because it gives um, most people a foolproof way to hit their goals, whether that's losing weight, whether that's going into a bulking phase, like you talked about, Jess, um, wanting to put Mm -hmm. on a bit more muscle. Um, It just really, it can be a really good educational tool, but I want to backtrack exactly like Julie just said, it can also be triggering and just a bit too time consuming for some people. So I'd just like to say that you can reach your goals without tracking or counting every bit of food that you put into your body. Um, it's definitely not required, but if you do have, um, if you do struggle with just not really being educated or aware of what goes into each type of food or what is a carb, protein, or fat, this can be a really good tool even to try for one or two months just to kind of gauge like how much am I consuming? How much protein am I getting each day? 
Um, where are my carbs and fats at? It's really good information to know just moving forward. And this can help with um, eating out at restaurants and just be able to um, being able to portion things out properly when you don't have, um, you know, a meal with all the exact portions right in front of you. Right, right. So Allie, I texted you the other day and I said, okay, SOS help. I don't think I'm eating enough protein. What do you recommend? Can you kind of talk about? Yeah. So I would give two different recommendations just depending on what your activity level is at. So, um, the basic recommendation for someone that is um, just a sedentary, inactive individual would be it's all based off of um, kilograms. So to calculate how many kilograms you would take your body weight in pounds and divide it by 2.2. So that number for a non-active individual, um, the RDA recommends that you have 8.8 grams of um, protein per kilogram of body weight. I think that that's usually for most people a little bit low. Um, again, depends on your activity level, but for active individuals, um, you would multiply your body weight in kilograms times usually 1.2 to 2 kilograms um, per kilogram body weight. So I can, I'm going to do calculations here um, just really quickly based off of I'll do based off of 150 pound individuals. So that would mean that they are 68 kilograms. So the smallest recommendation if they did no physical activity would be 54 grams of protein, which to me does seem a little bit low. Um, But again, I am used to training just being at a gym. I train active individuals. So my recommendations for them are a little bit higher. So if someone is 150 pounds and does engage in physical activity, at least you know, two to three times a week or more, then the ideal range would be 82 to 136 grams of protein. Um, Again, if you're not someone that tracks your macros or really has no idea what I'm talking about right now, it really, (laughs) this is not something that should be stressful to you. This is for people just to give a general idea. Mm -hmm. If you do want to plug in numbers that are based off of your specific um, body metrics, based off of your weight, I don't think this is something to stress over, but I do get a lot of female clients that greatly under eat protein, which is so important when you're trying to build muscle. Hi. Try, trying here. to lose weight. Um, <laughs> it really is huge. So instead of looking at the number as something that's such a big number, really hard to um, manage, or if you're not someone that tracks every single gram or calorie, um, it's really easy to just take that number and divide it by three, four, even five, just depending on how many meals and snacks you eat throughout the day and making that big number seem a lot smaller. So aiming to get, you know, 25 grams to 30 grams of protein for your main meals and having at least 15 grams for a snack that can make the number seem more attainable. If you just break it up um, based off of your meals and snacks. So just to give you guys perspective um, at my current weight, as of this morning, I was 247 pounds. And Allie's recommendation as an active individual is to eat between 130 and 190 grams of protein a day. Y'all, prior to the last three days when I've been putting in major effort to up that number, I was probably eating 
on a good day, 90, which is still like, to me, a lot of protein, but like still not enough for my needs. So like, I feel like ever since I upped it, all I eat is protein. Like I'm like, okay, protein bar, protein shake, chicken, beef, you know, whatever. I'm just like filling. And it's so filling. Like I have literally not snacked at all the past few days because I could not possibly outside of like a protein bar or protein shake. I don't even have like the room <laughs> in my soul for any between that oh, yeah, and the amount of water that I'm drinking. Too. So <laughs> I am, I am, I've been like complaining and I know all the girls in this program are so focused on their water intake. And it's been like, you know, if everything else in their life seems out of control, mm-hmm. it's like one thing that's easy to do or easier to do. So, um, you know, though, to me, those two things are so important. It, if you're not doing anything else, you can at least focus on your protein intake mm-hmm. and a hundred percent And protein right? takes the body, so. um, the longest to digest. And so that's why it keeps you so full. So especially when weight loss is the goal, you really want to make sure um, that you're hitting your protein goals or even aiming to the higher percentage of that, like, you know, 1.8 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight, um, because it really will help keep you satiated throughout the day. Um, So I think that that's something I, I love those recommendations. I definitely think protein is a big takeaway. And then of course, water, because if you're dehydrated, a lot of times we confuse that with being hungry and we're actually just thirsty. So definitely getting in um, the best recommendation is half of your body weight in ounces should be the average amount of water. Um, a little bit more, totally fine. A little bit less than that. That's okay too. Just really try to slowly increase that. So you're at least getting again, half body weight in ounces. And Jess, do you want to touch on kind of what you think with water? That's like another big sweating? common question we've been getting is people like, like I said, I feel like you need to get hung up on the exact ounces with it. Like I love, yeah, it's a half your body weight. That's like a minimum threshold. Like, what do you mean minimum threshold? And I was like, well, okay, let's imagine that like your body is this tank and you have to fill it up to an X amount with water. So you're in your tank, but now you're sweating. And so your tank is slowly starting to deplete. Like you've got to refuel and refill that because dehydration is like, one of the most hindering factors in your performance and your workouts as well. So it's like, I think that when we talk about fueling our bodies, that's huge for preparing your energy levels for when you are um, going to perform in a workout or just everyday activities. But like hydration is another one, you know, you can't expect your car to win the race when it's running on E. You can't expect to get on your treadmill, get on the bike, run outside and perform if your body is, you know, just at your regular level of hydration. So I love, you know, the alleys, like, don't focus if it's, if you're a little over, okay, if you're a little under, and it's like, yes, that's huge, don't focus, like, I need to get exactly 120 ounces, because I think when you start nitpicking that much, you know, you lose, you lose sight of, like, feeling hydrated and the main point of it, but, um, but just, like, having a general idea, maybe, like, like I love measuring, so, like, I know my water bottle is 20 ounces, I'm like, all right, if I can get around three to four of those a day, we're looking good, that's a lot less stressful than me, you know, nitpicking and measuring it out and um I think that's helpful we you know man the past couple of days how much water we've been drinking we're gonna float away seriously yeah because we're competitive and we keep seeing everybody post how much water at 2 p.m I really need to like step up my game someone wrote in she was like can I count my coffee and my ounces and I was like nice try I like that thought 
Yeah, no, I wish. Um, okay, so we just mm-hmm. talked about protein, going back to the macros. Um, let's oh, talk about goodness. everybody's the favorite topic. The fear of carbs was. Carbs. T- carbs. Oh God. I mean, again, working, working as a personal trainer, um, I've been a trainer for the past three years and the amount of fear around carbohydrates is so baffling to me. And I don't know where this stems Mm -hmm. from. I think our maybe, um, parents generation, um, there was such a big stigma with carbs make you fat and you can't eat carbs. I mean, Carbs are the body, glucose is the body's preferred energy source and glucose comes from carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so important in providing your body, your brain. I mean, just getting around day to day, your everyday fuel is done with carbohydrates and um, they're so important, especially for girls that are really amping up um, their workouts and their training. Um, without carbs, you are not going to perform at the level that um, you're going to want to push yourself to if you don't have that as a main energy source. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for optimal brain function, the body needs 130 grams of carbs a day just for healthy brain function, which is crazy because some people um, may view that. I mean, maybe the... Um, my fitness pal or macro counting people that try to keep the carbs a little bit lower may view that as a higher carbohydrate count on a low carb diet, but that really should be the minimum. Mm-hmm. And you can still count your veggies um, and everything towards your carb count if you are eating mm-hmm. a lot of veggies um, for the day. But um, really is important to get good complex fibrous carbohydrates. Um, again, as a plant-based eater, my carb count is I think higher than, um, a typical person just because, um, most animal proteins provide a lot more calories. So if you are on a plant-based diet, um, you definitely need extra carbohydrates, um, because carbs will be in all of your protein sources, usually through beans and lentils. Um, so I'm really, really focused on, um, getting my carbs in and my energy and performance at the gym is the best it's ever been since I focused on increasing that mm-hmm. carbohydrate intake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a low carb person, like I'm stressing right now when I'm talking about this, I'm going to be honest, like, but as a low carb person, I also do eat, like I, I would probably say if I, cause I don't when I count my net carbs and I definitely want to talk about net carbs because a lot of people have questions about that. But when I count my net carbs, I absolutely do not take into account fruits or veggies. Those are healthy for you. Nobody got fat from eating fruits and veggies. So those are completely out. So I think when I talk, you know, how many carbs I eat a day, my net carbs, I'm, I'm without my fruits and veggies at about 75, just for those wondering. And then, um, if you count the fruits and veggies, I probably am at about right over a hundred, um, which I mean, Allie, what is your estimate that people who aren't like watching their diet or aren't like people are probably eating over 300 yeah, I mean, easily if you, without yeah, if you take the noticing. Um, RDA like recommendation, uh, which is just like a recommendation for just a standard um, healthy individual um, for 
people that do count their macros, usually 45 to 65% of your total daily calories should come from carbohydrates. Of course, that is um, fluctuated a bit for some people that do prefer or need a lower carbohydrate diet. But um, I would say, I mean, I, again, my goal is not weight loss right now. I'm just maintaining my weight. But at a maintenance point, I probably eat between um 250 and 300 carbohydrates per day um I I used to count macros for about two and a half to three years so I'm very aware I don't count them anymore but um I really do try to be aware especially surrounding my training um and just because I am on my feet all day and a very active person that I really do get enough carbohydrates but um for the people that do want to stick to lower carbohydrates I would just say again fruits and vegetables are carbs so that is not in a bad way but that is still technically counted towards your carbohydrate source so I think that will get you Julie closer to that like 130 point to where you can still have like optimal performance levels even if you do keep the um other carb sources relatively lower yeah yeah um So let's talk net carbs. Can you just yeah, give like so, a general um, overview? Net carbs basically takes your total carbohydrates and subtracts um, subtracts them from or subtracts, I'm sorry, your fiber from your total carbohydrates. So it basically um, encourages people to eat more fibrous carbohydrates, whether that's from um, quinoa, lentils, beans, Um, Also veggies, because the fiber count is so high, the net carbs essentially are almost zero with certain um, vegetables. So focusing on more complex carb sources um, for someone that is trying to stick to a lower carbohydrate diet is typically um, more ideal just to not see as large of an insulin spike or a blood sugar level spike because you have the extra fiber. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Just, right now, do you have any idea I'm like honestly probably ashamed today? to say because like, when Ali, you know, even mentions like bulking and that is what I'm trying to do right now. Like I'm trying to increase my weight so I can put on muscle mass. So like protein's been heavy. Um, but my carbs have been very, like, I would definitely say, um, I'm easily intaking like 160 carbs plus probably like, I am not even going to lie. I freaked out the other day because I had a bag of pretzels and you know, we're pretzel freaks, Julie. And it was like those big sourdough ones, you know, the ones Mm -hmm. and I think I ate like 13 oh, of them. I know the ones. and I like looked at the back of the bag and it was like 33 grams of carbs. And I was like, Oh, okay. And it was like in two. And I was like, oh, no, she did not. Like, I think I literally ate 130. <laughs> I didn't look at the fiber. I like, you know, didn't look into that probably like two grams, but I lit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Probably like, not much. Yeah. It is to overtake in one macronutrient. And like, I, I so am not obsessive about it, but like it is easy to do but I do want to say one thing that I think is interesting because you guys talk about like fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. with your carbs um what I think is interesting is like when you first initially hear the word carb what's the first thing that pops into your mind for me it's bread like 
bread, pasta, like starchy things, right? And so I honestly Mm -hmm. think that a lot of like the fear with carbs has to do with like people associating carbs with cheat meals or carbs with bad food. And so like the whole idea, and I'm so Mm -hmm. excited for Allie to share her perspective on this, because honestly, when she first said this to us, I even kind of felt like I was woke a little bit because I was like, oh my God, why have I never thought of that and like I work in health and obviously Mm -hmm. but you know that I have an awful like we've talked about our relationships with food um but I want her to talk about it because like for me it's always been you know I I like my cheat meals and I know how to like I have the control at this point to like know okay 80 20 I'm gonna have my cheat meal but Ali I want you to say what you said to me about like what your perspective was on cheat meals and like bad connotations with food Yeah, 100%. I mean, first talking about the 80-20 rule that you just talked about, I mean, I think that that's a really great um, just like mindset to have surrounding the foods that you're eating just because no one can be perfect with anything they do 100% of the time. And if you do try that, I mean, you might go a little crazy just not having that little break. But Mm I when I view food again, I view it as nourishment, energy, um, also pleasure because you want the food to taste good too. So I actually don't really believe in cheat meals. And that's not Mm -hmm. me saying, I don't believe that you're able to ever have a donut or a piece of chocolate, but instead I I do love at least one to two sweet things every single day, but I don't like to view food as good or bad, or this is a cheat meal and this is perfectly healthy. When you put food in that category, then you're almost setting yourself up for the guilt or again, just like creating this cycle of like, okay, I'm just going to eat so perfectly healthy mm-hmm. and clean. And then every Saturday, I'm just going to go crazy and have my burger, fries, and milkshake. Well, what if Saturday comes and you don't want that, but Saturday's the cheat day, so I have to Mm -hmm. do that? Or, you know, what if Friday comes and you're just craving the burger and fries, but you're not allowed to have it because it's a Friday and it's not a Saturday? I just think putting that label on cheat meal or putting that one day of the week, um, it just leads to, again, that negative relationship. Um, that I think it's almost more um, beneficial of really not putting food in that category. And if you want a sweet treat at night, then who says you can't have a chocolate square every single night? For me, by incorporating something sweet or a fun snack or fun after dinner um, type of treat each day, I never get to the point where I crave a cheat Mm -hmm. meal. I mean, again, maybe after having a few drinks one night and I wake up the next day and something a little bit greasier maybe sounds nice, but I don't view anything as a cheat meal or I don't wait for the day that I can eat my donut. If I feel like having a dessert during Mm -hmm. at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to have a bite of that treat because if I don't, I might be thinking about it for the whole rest of the day. So taking all the thoughts and overthinking away from what you're eating really does set you up for success and not overeating at the end of the day. Can I, I was just going to say, can I be yeah, honest about and... something? Because so I'm ahead, sitting here like nodding my head like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
everything you're saying to me is what triggers me to binge eat. And I have to point this out because me, I, Julie, you have to remember this day. Okay. I met Julie at the pool one day and like, we were talking about eating and like what we'd eaten that day and like whatever, because we're both like at a point where we were trying to like, you know, cut focus on losing a little bit of weight. And and she's like, so tell me what you ate today. And I was like, well, I had six cucumbers. I had like five carrots and a pack of tuna. And like, it wasn't that I was like starving myself. I was just a very, very focused and very like strict on it. And like, honestly, I think Julie frigging cotton candy grapes. And she's like, do you want some cotton candy grapes? I was like, no, like it's not part of like my macros. And I Mm -hmm. literally went home that night and I was like, screw it. I ate, I'm pretty sure like a half a box of Cheez-Its and then like a whole sleeve of Oreos. And I remember texting her and I was like, I hate myself. Like I just ate a whole thing of Oreos. And she was like, you are always so all or nothing. And I think that it like makes you freaking snap sometimes. Like I've always respected your balance with stuff Mm -hmm. because I've always just in or out Mm -hmm. or all or nothing. And it's like, perspective shift is huge because if I just stopped looking at it like I can't eat this like forbidden fruit then I wouldn't probably crave it so much a hundred percent and I think the all or nothing mentality isn't just around food I mean that can be a personality trait that people have just around work and relationships and it can transfer over to food so it's very very normal and I have so many clients that have that all or nothing mentality and I think it's important to remind people that again we need to end the cycle if you overeat one day that's okay like it doesn't mean the next day you need to do three hours of cardio and reduce your macros by 400 calories because guess what then you're gonna overeat in three days because you're deprived Mm -hmm. from you know your good maintenance level Level. So I think just being kinder to yourself and realizing that no one is perfect. I like, again, going back to that 80%, 20% rule, not me having 20% be 20% cheat day junk food, but 20% just if you want, you know, something fun. Or I think I went through a phase last summer that I got Froyo maybe four nights <laughs> of the week. And I didn't put on any weight mm-hmm. because that's something I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I almost knew like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to have a slightly lighter dinner because I know I'm going to crave mm-hmm. fro tonight. Like that was just what I like to do. And I built it into my meal plan. And again, it wasn't me tracking every single calorie. It was just me knowing like, mm-hmm. oh, I know every night I have a sweet tooth. So I'm going to just adjust the snacks today and I'm going to build that like fun food into my diet every single day so then I can enjoy it and I'll never have to feel bad about it Mm -hmm. yeah and you know Jess and I have been having these one-on-one conversations with a lot of these girls and you know I don't want anybody to think that I'm calling them out because it's been multiple people that have told me this exact same thing they say well you know, when I'm at my best, I'm doing two workouts a day and I'm, um, you know, eating this, this, and this. And, um, I really don't do much else socially just because I don't trust myself out in those situations to stay on track. And I'm like, okay, well, hold on. Let's break that down. This does not sound, I was like, do you enjoy that lifestyle? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, then, then why are you doing it? Well, because that's what works. And I'm like, well, is that the only thing that works? Or is that what makes you lose weight really quickly? Or, you know, I'm like, well, maybe if you just did one workout a day and you, you know, upped your calories a little bit, you, whatever, maybe you would lose half that amount of weight in the same time. But 
how much more sustainable is that lifestyle? How much happier will you be? And I think it's just like, all of this is such good advice for people who are looking to better their relationship with food. But Ali, I, I actually have a really important question to you because a lot of the girls as well um, have admitted um, to having an issue with binge eating. So what advice do you have for people um, just going struggling back to that? again that cycle of the overeating under eating feeling immense amount of guilt um again I think that there's a few pieces of advice number one just really being sure that you're fueling your body throughout the day a lot of times people tend to overeat when they're really restricting their calories um, throughout the day. So making sure that you're getting enough fuel to where you're not leading to that point where you just feel this ravenous sense of hunger. Um, I would say for the people that do feel like binge eating is coming on from all of that hunger, then really just rethinking some of their main meals and snacks and making sure they're getting in enough calories so they don't lead to that point. And then the second side of it is um, binge eating can be a very emotional thing. So I think that just having someone to talk to is so important, whether that's a partner, a friend, a family member, or even a therapist, um, just because binging can be deeply rooted by something other than just, I didn't eat enough for breakfast and I'm just extra hungry. So making sure that you are having the right conversations with people you feel comfortable with and really being open about it is not something to be ashamed about. So many women and men struggle with binge eating. And I think it can be a really hard cycle to break when you're by yourself and feeling really alone in it. So I would really um, recommend just talking to someone, whether it's a professional or someone that you feel really comfortable with and know just to make sure that they understand what's going on. And if you're having a hard day, maybe instead of turning to food, you can just ask them if it's okay, if you can call them up or FaceTime just to kind of talk through everything. Um, just you have another coping mechanism and just try to focus on communication or maybe listening to music or doing things other than turning to food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I'm going to try and um, lighten this. I have a fun okay. question for okay. you, Allie. Yes. Okay. Is there such thing as a mythical, like, mystical free food that I could just eat and eat and eat until I couldn't eat anymore and it would, like, do no harm to my body? Like, does celery really make you lose weight when you're eating it? No, you know, if there (laughs) was that magical food, I think that we would all never struggle with any weight issues and no one would no one would deal with any problems with being (laughs) overweight. But I always tell people if it sounds too good to be true, it probably Mm -hmm. is. Um, Of course there are foods that have Mm -hmm. a higher water content or much less calorically dense that we can eat more of, but you really can overeat any food, um, you know, with celery, it could take you way too much celery to even want to, or be able to consume before it's considered overeating, but there really is no magic food. Um, and even with veggies, that amount of fiber, um, can really disrupt some people's digestive systems. Um, so I wouldn't recommend, 
you know, 20 servings of fiber um, (laughs) by all these different fruits and veggies in a day either. But unfortunately, there is no magic food or I would... I would definitely share. She's all like, the I'm like, give me the secrets. Them. But you know what, though? You hit on something so big in your response. And that was the term, term caloric density. You're, you're a personal trainer. I've been in training a long time. And like the biggest question mark I would have on my face is when someone would come in and they'd be like, listen, Coach Jess, I work out five days a week. I'm seeing a personal trainer on the side. And my personal trainer told me I'm just not eating enough. And that's why I'm not losing weight. And like, I've heard it so many times. So like, don't think, you know, if you're like, well, that's how I feel. Or like, well, I've heard that before. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it right now. That is lazy coaching. Like if I was like, if I had a class and it was like, you know, cause have you done group fitness before Allie? Yes. I okay. Have. So it's like when you have a group fitness, like there's like 20 people in the room, whatever. And it's like, you're trying to make sure everyone is staying safe. You're trying to make sure that people's form is on point. And it's like, unfortunately, you know, as well as I, and I acknowledge this a lot that there is a lot of ego in our industry. And it's like, when someone is dismissive or someone wants to give you a quick response, it is so easy to just write it off as like, oh, well, yeah, you're not eating enough because you're hungry and then you're binging. But it's like they don't take the time to explain that to somebody. And I think that understanding caloric density is huge to figuring out how to satiate yourself and how to like stay within restrictions. And I loved the example that you were giving earlier. Um, could you just touch on that? Like, again, the caloric density part of it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that this can um, come back to macros as well. And just thinking about which types of food are a lot more calorically dense than others. Um, So your fats are going to provide a lot more calories per gram compared to carbs and proteins. So it's really easy to overeat on fats. And even for people that don't weigh or measure any of their foods, I always tell people, if you're going to weigh out or measure anything by the tablespoon, I would always recommend doing that for your fats because it's so easy to, I mean, the visible eye really can't see the difference mm-hmm. between um, 200 and 400 calories of peanut butter sometimes because it really is hard to gauge just grabbing a big spoon yeah. and dipping it into the jar mm-hmm. or grabbing a bunch of nuts and seeds. Again, very healthy options. I'm not saying that we should avoid these foods because it's very important to get in um, your omega-3s and healthy fats, but the um, caloric density can really, really add up because there's so many calories packed into what seems like such a small portion of foods. That's why adding in fiber and all the volume that you can get from vegetables is so important in each meal, Mm -hmm. just because it really can double or triple the size of your plate without adding a crazy amount of calories. So I mean, I sneak in veggies to literally anything. I mean, people laugh. Like if I could sneak in a veggie to any meal, I will. <laughs> I mean, I like put cauliflower, rice cauliflower in my smoothies and people are like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why you can, why you do that. I'm like, I promise you can't taste it. Cause I mask it with a protein powder and some fruit and banana, but I always just want to add in again, those extra micronutrients. And I have a really big appetite. I'm super active. So if my meals aren't, um, really, really mm-hmm. voluminous, then it's not going to keep me full for as long. So I really try mm-hmm. to focus on volume eating and getting in as many veggies I can with good fats, protein, and <laughs> carbs as well. You know what's funny, Allie, is that as 
as we've been talking, I've been jotting down little notes. And the last two things, you know, we obviously we prep for these podcasts, guys. I added a couple little notes at the end that I was just going to surprise you with. And you literally just touched on both of them. So I wanted you to talk about healthy fats. And I wanted you to give tips for people who are volume eaters, because I am a volume eater. I know that you're a volume eater. And (laughs) so many of us are volume eaters. Hello, Um, I would say there's different types of volume eating. So when I say volume eating, I'm talking about um, things that aren't as calorically dense, but provide your actual plate with more volume. So that would be if I, I'll give a few examples. So mm-hmm. if I'm having a pasta night, a lot of times I'll do half of a serving of pasta, then I'll add in, um, an entire like spiralized zucchini. So I mix the zoodles with the pasta to create overall more volume without, doubling the calories or if I'm eating a build your own chipotle bowl and I have my white rice I'll also usually saute some cauliflower rice on the side so I'm not taking away the protein because for me if I just had cauliflower rice as my protein source I would not be full from that type of meal so I keep the carbohydrate but instead of doubling or tripling the main Mm -hmm. carb source I'll add a veggie to that to create a larger portion size, but it doesn't double the calorie intake. So I'm still meeting my goals, but it keeps me more full because the overall volume is larger. Can I just say how pissed off I am that I never thought to do Mm -hmm. half zoodles Mm -hmm. and half pasta noodles? That is genius. Everyone does just the zoodles. And I'm like, guys, no one is full of 20 calories of zucchini noodles. Let's be real. I'm blown away. do the half and half. I am so blown away. Yeah, I do that. I definitely do that. I've actually been like, you know, just giving people little tips of things. That's definitely one of like my main things that I do that helps so much with like just feeling more satiated. Um, and you know, another thing, Allie, and you can totally disagree with it, but Hey, it's gotten me this far as far as portion control goes, here's my take on it. So as a volume eater, I don't want to look down on my plate and see a piece of chicken, the size of my palm with, you know, four little sprigs of broccoli and, you know, whatever else is on the plate. Like I want to look and I want to see this beautiful (laughs) meal with like, you know, my, I don't want to see any white on my plate. Okay. I want the plate to be full. So what I've been telling people about portion control, obviously as someone who's really focusing on their protein intake right now, I'm eating a way higher portion of meat that, and I eat meat obviously. Like, um, so I'm, you know, having probably like one and a half Mm -hmm. times the size of like a typical portion of chicken for dinner. Um, I'm having, you know, double the veggies that somebody would eat just because those are the things to me that you can volume up with. Like, but if you're going to make a meal, then you need to still portion control your sauces and your fats and your things like that. But you can add in those extra veggies and the extra protein, no problem. And that's kind of my solution for, you know, as someone who doesn't like I mean, a great rule of thumb. Does that make sense? Um, A lot of nutritionists and dietitians go off of my plate. It's like, very easy if you just search it on Google. And it just basically tells someone how they can structure a healthy plate for all of their main meals. And it does say that half the plate should be built of fruit and veggies. So doing everything right, um, fruit and veggies, another half or a fourth of the next 
portion is your protein and then you get some carbs and fats. And again, that can easily be adjusted based off of your goals. If you're trying to bulk, you increase the carbohydrates a little bit and maybe you don't need as many veggies because those are going to keep you more full. So um, if you do want to put on some muscle, you will add the extra carbs. If you are trying to lose more weight, you smaller that portion of carbs, you don't completely take them away, but you're going to add more of the veggies to fill that plate in front of you without adding crazy amounts of calories from the extra carbohydrates or extra fats or even protein. Again, I think you're doing a great job though, um, the way you're splitting your meal and structuring your plate. Yeah, definitely. And it's hard as someone that does low carb, you know, I'm not going out of my way. Like I, I couldn't tell you the last time I (laughs) ate rice. Actually, that's a lie. I had like four pieces of sushi, but like the reality is, is my body just like really does not process them the way that it's supposed to. And I always feel bloated. I always feel just like gross after it's just not worth it to me. But, um, I actually do have one more question and then we'll wrap it up. But I want to know, um, what is your, Allie, what is your take on like processed foods and processed like low carb foods specifically? Because I got I mean, a lot of questions I about that. I really put all processed foods into the same category, even if they are marketed as low carb A lot of them, if you take out one of the macronutrient, it's just filled with other things. Um, A lot of times you see something's low fat, so they just add sugar in replacement. Or it's low sugar and they add extra fats to Mm -hmm. make it taste better. Um, I mean, I'm such an ingredients person. Instead of just looking at something and buying it or wanting to try it because it says low carb, Mm -hmm. I would really my first step for buying any new product is looking at the ingredients. And if you can't pronounce it or it has some questionable ingredients that you don't know why you would be consuming that, then it's probably not a great purchase. Um, so I'm, I'm a really big. <laughs> don't tell me that Allie. Don't tell me that. Okay. I'm going to end the podcast. Um, Hi think, guys. This is again, great. There's so many, there's so many great snack <laughs> options now though, with I, all of the new trends of being keto and low carb and paleo that I will say there's a lot um, more chip options. Apparently cauliflower can be a cracker now. I mean, there's so many new weird things allegedly. that they have that really do Apparently. have good ingredients. Allegedly, so you mean. I would say take a look at the ingredients, number one. Take a look at the sugar content. Um, if you are looking at net carbs, of course, look at how much fiber it has in it. And then making um, a good you know, decision whether or not you want to buy that and eat it. I mean, I again, I look at ingredients over calories. I would rather eat um, an apple with peanut butter for 200 calories than a 100 calorie pack of like blueberry muffins. You know, it's not about the calories to me. It's about fueling my body mm-hmm. with the right ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely my number one. <laughs> I'm thing just laughing because I'm thinking about our right last podcast. You, she said a bag of blueberry muffins and I'm pretty sure we mentioned little bites on there. <laughs> Little bites were definitely my childhood. And looking back, I'm like, wow. I yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For but sure. Okay. For it sure. Good. 
I mean, honestly, like, I think that you gave some really good points yeah. and tips and advice. Like, I honestly, yeah. like, I know, Julie, I'm honestly offended that you were holding out on me on this half zoodles, half noodles thing, fazoodle doodles, um, because I can't believe I never thought of that. Like, I can have my cake and eat it, too. I can have a half <laughs> a cup of rice and do, like, some sweet potato risotto and then, like, it's gonna be mm-hmm. it's gonna taste awesome like I get the textures I get the colors like I'm excited to honestly try that because I've just never thought of it I'm not creative Julie knows I'm a canned green beans kind of girl <laughs> yeah no oh my gosh she Boy, is yes. her brand is canned I love green it beans. like that's that's <laughs> Jess's brand it's it's not cute um we're working on it it's fine <laughs> She she is tuna at she's it works tuna honey, and, and, and it works for her. Type. So That's you know just. everyone everyone has their thing. Everyone I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Allie, thank you so much for joining us. This was so special. Like I think that these girls are just gonna be so impacted by listening to the 65 minutes of just great advice and knowledge and just different ways of thinking. Um guys definitely go follow Allie on Instagram. She's Allie B. B is by Allie B. Or is it Allie B? <laughs> Allie, help me. Okay. Yes. Fights by Allie B. And um, obviously I'm at say yes to the fresh. That's all folks. Underscore say yes. I'm tired guys. Okay. Just cut a girl some slack. Uh, thank you guys so much and you guys will definitely be seeing more of Allie Um, bye guys bye guys have a great night